Welcome back to another episode of Out of Blank Podcast. Bruce, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show, man. How's it been? It's been good. It's been busy. It's been uh, frightening. It's been exciting and inspiring, all of the above. Which one are you the most excited about? Excited, frightening, inspiring? Most excited about excited, particularly top of mind, Bobby Kennedy Jr. is thinking about running for president next year. And I would uh, steer anybody to his March 3rd speech in New Hampshire, which is available on Rumble and on his Substack. It's over an hour, and he says he's thinking about it. But man, does he lay out so much uh, knowledge and wisdom about what's going on and where he's coming from. I think to make him a viable candidate option to even someone who's never heard him speak before or knows where he's coming from, it's pretty exciting. I don't think that's going to be a possibility. I hate to say it like that, but it's just because of the fact that everyone knows the first thing he's going to do once he becomes president, and I'm hoping he does it. If it doesn't happen before he gets into office and that's released those documents, whatever it is, or gets to the bottom of whatever the JFK assassination and RFK assassination is. Well, I'll tell you, the way he fields questions, you know, he is, in his own word, relentless about trying to unite us. So if someone even brings up the assassination or brings up the documents, et cetera, well, he might be too risky to, to the powers that be. You're saying it won't go that far because per, maybe you're implying no one, the powers that be won't let him get that far. Is I that am implying that. Implying? I hate I, whenever I say deep state, it's like I, I think you agree with me on the deep state thing as well, too. I just want to define it better for the public. Like people say deep state, they immediately pick, think shrouded people in robes. First of all, Bohemian Grove is real, and all they do is set policy there. Now, if you want your people setting policy in front of a giant owl statue, that's your prerogative or whatever belief that's fine but i've talked to academics who've actually studied that and talked about it in a more serious sense in like actual setting of policy now my deep state is what i would define as the intelligence agencies things that are known to the public but we don't fully understand their capabilities and how interconnected they are with things i mean i don't know what the nsa does or the fbi or the cia does so defining i mean i don't know what deep state means to you what you would define it well it's it's uh, it stands for everything in the shadows, as my boss at Trine Day says, you know, Chris Milligan. And I'm rec I've recently learned uh, that not only are there myriad intelligence agencies that we know about in the United States and in many countries around the world, there are even private organizations that get contracted by many government institutions and agencies that function as independent intelligence agencies. So the, the, the swirl of different people, different factions, different interests, blackmailing each other, lobbying those who can write legislation. Yeah, the deep state influences policy and influences the performance of, quote unquote, our representatives. But it's such a seething cauldron. It's infinitely, you know, deeper, blacker, backstabbing and uh, negotiating. And it's it uh, it reminds me of Jimmy Dore recently interviewed Bobby Kennedy Jr. And uh, after, you know, Bobby explained what he's thinking about doing, 
Jimmy just, you know, just said flat out, listen, I'd love you to get in and I'd like to help any way I can, but there's no hope in electoral politics anymore. He says it's so corrupt. It's so influenced by what can fairly be called the deep state that that's where Jimmy Dore is coming from. He's saying it's just going to take direct action, civil disobedience, things in the streets to just grind things to a halt. So, yeah, it's it might be anachronistic, meaning it doesn't belong in this time anymore to think that any candidate, can, you know, who actually could do us any good, Robbie, could actually get to a position of being able to do any good for us and then being allowed to do any good for us. It's it's an intense situation. You th- I, I, I would hope that our I would hope that he would win. I really I really would. Um, or someone like-minded, or at least has some foot in the game of understanding the, I guess, the dangerous spider web of politics. And when I say that, I'm just saying I had a friend who was on my show who studies Area 51. He was recently on Fox News about a month ago and a couple of other places because the FBI raided his house a month after he was on my show, destroyed a bunch of his stuff, had him basically in his underwear out in the middle of the street. And this guy was like, Area 51 is just cool spy, not spy stuff, cool aircraft vehicles and all these types of things. There's no aliens there. He was very straightforward, believed in the government, was a patriot, everything. He came from another country to this country, 100% support. After that instance, I had him back on the show, and he tells me, I never thought it would happen to me, and now I question everything. And I'm like, yes, it can happen to you. People think it won't happen, or they hear something, and they go, oh, that'll never happen to me, or that's I'm not the bad guy. It can, you will, you can be the bad guy is the point. And it's not incentivizing violence or terror, but it's talking about a structuralized system that we have set in place that is just a problem. Everybody, the corruption aspect of things where you start talking about this, and I always hate how these conversations go because people that I just try and think what what the public's saying and the public hearing this will be like, oh, guys, are just conspiracy theorists. No, it's just understanding. If you look into history. The best – like everything that's happening now is in the past as well too. COINTELPRO, operations of devisivizing smaller populations because you deem them as a threat. Everything that's attacking the system, you start to see that in the past. It links into common sense or just asking the questions, and we don't ask questions anymore. We go into little echo chambers and divide off on different political parties where everyone misses the main message where I go, it's just going to be a never-ending loop that we're on. You know, It's just going to get worse and worse. We've allowed – this content up there when it comes to people insider trading or blackmailing each other. That's politics now because the set standard was set however long ago, and they've just made it worse and kept goal lining it. Yeah. And all that reminds me of the, how I am persuaded and yet I hope against hope that those that want to sicken enslave and kill off a huge portion of the world's population and destroy the viability of the United States and other nations to be able to function as independent sovereign nations in order to corral the remaining, the remainder into digital slavery in terms of food distribution in terms of monetary and currency and digital currency and digital IDs and digital capture, plus corralling into smart cities, 15-minute cities, et cetera, et cetera. All those things are so strong. All those things are advancing across the board. It's a full-spectrum strangulation. And that's why 
suicide, drug and alcohol abuse is, is sky high. And yet you and I are voices in the wilderness who are a trying to teach more people about these threats, because we hope when more people are aware of them, more people will do things to resist them and, uh, you know, turn them around or maybe prevent them. And Robbie, you are very frozen. Now I'm listening to you very intently. Oh, good. Wow. I've never seen anybody not blink for that long. I'm oh, glad. I'm listening. Sorry. <laughs> I'll try my hardest to blink more. No, every every now and then my computer glitches and freezes up and I thought, wow, I'm, I lost him minutes ago. I'm, You're good. I'm hyper-focused. Sorry. Well, that was intense. And so the point I was leading to was, a great thing to explore, and I'm in no rush in this conversation, Robbie, is how and why and how and why to, to find, to, to put the brakes on our speeding to the edge of all these dangerous cliffs. Could I, I want to talk about the emerging technologies as well, too, because that is a real danger. But I, I find if you find examples and like I'll lay out an example. And if you find anything that you want to talk about that you can connect an example to, it would boil down to one of the first chapters. And like I said, I was going to talk about this as well, too, because I appreciate you sending me it. It's your book, God School, uh, 9-11 and JFK. Uh, I love the note that you put in it, to be honest. Robbie, I hope you like this. Tell me either way. Best to you. Thanks for having me on your show, Bruce. I love that. That the little personalization is awesome. But people like being talked to and treated as an individual rather than like, I guess, the hive that we all kind of I mean, everything just gets tossed down and everyone assumes it's for them. But what I would talk about was emerging technologies is a thing I want to ask more about. But I would always just lay out common sense to people, understanding that throughout history, everything that has started ends up going bad when a bad actor or bad actors continue to do whatever they wish, putting their own personal preferences into something. One example, China's social credit system. I think everybody was more aware of the emerging technologies that were expanding, having more monetization or mo being able to monitor us more surveillance-wise. And there was a fear with that. We don't want to end up like that. Snitches get witches, I think, was the thing during the whole pandemic as well, too. You rat on your neighbor if they're not following social protocols and all that. But China, it, their social credit system, which everyone should know about, it started off because there's too many people to police in China. The population is too big. The cops go home after like 10 p.m. That's how it started. And then it became to what it is now with severe mon monitoring others. I mean, clubs that have to shut down because a comedian was yelled at saying that they were saying anti-communist propaganda and the club has to shut down for six months, even though they're not saying it. But it's because you can't talk about your government like that. Now, over here, I am a patriot. I believe in America and the ideas out there as well, too. But I also believe in recognizing corruption. If that falls on the left or the right, you have to acknowledge it as well, too. And we haven't done a very good job of having that discourse because of the politicalization that happens between left and right. And it's a danger. And I think it and it's going to end up leading to where we get fully autonomous vehicles. We have a gateway, the internet, this epic place um, where it started off. You can do whatever you wanted and, you know, have fun. You know, hopefully you don't fall down too deep of a rabbit hole. Then now it's become a profit margin for a lot of people. People now make their careers online, TikTok influencers, YouTube, Spotify, whatever you want to say. 
Now you feel like you have to censor in some aspects because of the platforms that you are now monitoring on. Now they hold the gateways to your success, and now the younger generations are seeing the internet as a way to make a career. And if they will do anything to make sure they don't lose that, and that means the companies can keep changing the rules and changing it and changing it until eventually you step on the wrong toes and you get cut out. And then next thing you know, what you have to go get a nine-to-five job and everything you spent your life working into on the internet is just wiped away. That's a fear, and I think this is where it slowly starts leading to with the bigger encroachment into our lives, and I know people don't see that if they don't have a content show or they don't have a book, but imagine you write a book. You spend five years writing a book, and then you release it. It's up there for a year. You get all this attention, and then all of it just goes away. The book's no longer be able to be found. You're not allowed to even talk about the book anymore, and now you have to kind of restart from all – you still got some fans, but you have to go from a whole different thing. You have to now build up from a whole nother path. Mm. And that's if we're lucky enough to build up after the type of slavery you just described, you know, reaches 80, 90, 95, 99% completion in controlling us along the lines you just described. And anyone who studies the history of these things and the last 10 or 15 years would be justified in thinking, not only is it as bad as you just described, it's really unreasonable to think it won't go to complete fruition and total enslavement along those lines. And... Do you think it's enslavement though, or do you think it's just they're going to choose what you do? I wouldn't call that necessarily enslavement. I think it's just they're making you into like a, a I wouldn't, I guess it is a, not really a slave, a butler. I would say something, you know, if they're choosing your goals for you and giving you the options, and the options are two things that they want you to do and none of that you want your own, that's a problem. Yes. And, and it's, the same thing, because that kind of slavery means we don't have a will of our own. We aren't able to choose from from freedom, and it is a transformation of us into people, into things that, into things that don't have free will, and that only function or exist within the tiny, tiny parameters that they are squeezing us into. Uh, are you aware of the work of Julianne Romanello on Facebook? She uh, is a PhD uh, in, uh, I think, social sciences or something like that, and maybe something even more uh, academic. But for the last many years, she posts primarily on Facebook her analysis of the smart city plan, how local councils, school boards, townships, counties, states, and than the federal government, but she's really focusing on the local, are being groomed to pack and contract us into the 15-minute cities where we are really, really uh, trapped. And um, it's urgent and vital. Julianne Romanello, ladies and gentlemen, on Facebook, highly, she does PowerPoint presentations. She's invited to uh, live groups where she's trying to warn Americans particularly about uh, that that development. It's tough to know what to say next, Robbie. You asked me so many specific things, and now my head is, you know, like spinning with... Uh, you mentioned like population you know, control and things of that sort. 
how do you get there? Could you, I'm not 100% in on the population control thing. I just try and tell people that more likely than not, people are going to find a way to incentivize their own pockets there rather than choose the benefit of you or society. There's no incentive to do that. If you're not going to be around to see what happens in 50 years, why do you care? Like, biggest question. Well, you know, the, the antidote to that last point used to be the fact that most people would want to get married and raise children. I don't think that's that's true anymore. In fact, I'm pretty persuaded it's not. So why would anyone care about 50 years from now? Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. That's a very hedonistic, very nihilistic, very cynical, very selfish, very scared, very narcissistic way to look at things. And the online experience engenders that, rewards that, that vicious, selfish uh, mindset, values, priorities, pursuits, almost like how I observed young people when they were playing the most vicious and brutal video games of war and shooting. It's that killer be killed mentality. And that's what we are intentionally being groomed to be, I feel, by social media on all platforms, by the insidious rewards and also the feeding us by the algorithms, irresistible content that reinforces the echo chambers you mentioned. But population control, Robbie, the recent medical emergency of the last few years is a great example of that. And the facts, and people can listen to Bobby Kennedy Jr. Um, recount the facts of how ill we are, how uh, at the receiving end of voluminous amounts of medications that are, in, that are increasing our obes obesity, increasing the percentage of us who've got chronic and acute, now lifelong Ill illnesses and ailments, that's a huge uh, way to control us. And like I said earlier, it's summed up by the idea that they want to enslave us in terms of how we can make a living and what we see about reality and what the options are of who to choose as a representative or an elected official or a politician. And uh, also, you know, the food supplies are, are threatened, energy supplies are threatened here in the United States, around the world, and the monetary system. I'm persuaded, and I tell people to be ready any day, you know, right after lunch, tonight or tomorrow any day some catastrophe some gigantic catastrophe way bigger than anything we've seen ever before that justifies our government telling us we're all locked down it's all martial law to protect us from some environmental catastrophe or from some attack blamed on an enemy among us so martial law means now the military controls the distribution of all goods and services and food and water necessary for life. They totally control transportation. And the way that the deep state, our deep state, and also in cahoots with the dark forces of uh, other Western nations like Britain, Canada, and others have inflicted these things on other nations. It's a model for what we have to be ready for every single day. 
And I refer folks to Rudyard Kipling's poem. You'll be a man, my son. You know, if you can keep your head while all those around you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, and if you can do this, that, and the other thing, and this, that, and the other thing, but that first image, keep your head while all around you are losing theirs, you'll be a man, my son. Um, to try to just feel a little lighthearted about it, Robbie, but it's a, it's a full spectrum, a uh, bunch of challenges we face, obviously. What do you think are the, are the structures that a person needs in their life to be stable? Well, number one, for, for your good friend Bruce here, a spiritual imagination. And you alluded to my chapter in my book called Identity, and that's where I try to share a little bit, just a little bit, about uh, how I use my spiritual imagination as uh, to conceive an identity where some aspect or all of me is an eternal, infinite spirit. Eternal implies unchangeable therefore unharmable doing this to myself intentionally for some reason that sometimes I, I'm pretty clear on what the reasons might be. Sometimes it's still a complete baffling mystery why all the suffering in the world and my own can seem so real. And yet when we die, do we discover, wow, it was all, it was all an adventure we chose to have like the comedian Bill Hicks. So that's the number one, um, empowerment and the other the other and that's hand in glove with being very present because if we are an eternal consciousness that means everything else comes and goes but our consciousness is perpetual and if we're conscious it implies we're present which implies that all you and i ever are is here and that allows us to hopefully love all that's here as ourself. This microphone is really me. The image of you on my screen right there is really me. When I listen to you talk, I'm really hearing my own thoughts coming from the, the, the one mind, which is the only thing that exists. Just like when I'm silent and alone and thoughts come to me, they are generated by the universal mind in the form of this package that's been around for a number of decades called Bruce, and I can influence what those thoughts are. So it's a very metaphysical foundation that I stand on. And then it's to, it's to, be, it's to listen and be kind to survive in the world by studying and practicing how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie, great book, never goes out of style, never will, because it really helps people connect to each other and listen and care about each other. And that's where the juice is. That's where the love is. That's where the fun is. And again, back to this comprehensive idea of who and what we are. As I listen to you, I, I am listening to me. As I help you feel safe, I feel safe. As I ask questions of you and help you hear and find and, and figure out your own answers to things and your own lessons, I blossom and expand and relax as you gain a greater satisfaction of just being present and alive this moment right here when it comes to the decline and the kind of turbulent times that we're in right now do you think it's because of the de-escalation or i would say the down i would say downgrade i would say of the church you know we're in a time where there's been a large more i guess a larger percentage of the population now is either unreligious or choose to worship at home 
And the only thing that I am agnostic, well, I wouldn't say agnostic. I am an atheist. I don't believe in any higher power. I mean, if I get to you know my deathbed, you know, for the love of God, I'll probably turn religious. Um, but there's a real serious thing when it comes to the decline of the Christian faith, Catholic faith, or just large religions that brought community together. There's a strong correlation with community and going to these. If anything, that's the way you connected. We're both religious. We both believe in a higher entity. Those views help us open the conversation. Whether we agree on some things and disagree on some things, that's the common link that bonds us together. Now, how do we get into the times that we are now where I would consider that the fact that we don't have such a large religious population is the fact that we do have this open eye on the government? Because before, there wasn't really need a question. The times when everything was safe, the, when some of the biggest operations that we know about were going on was when people were very religious because it was just God and family, that lack of caring because in the end, there's this entity thing. That's what for me is like that's what I, I don't know. I mean that might be your fix, and that's fine, but there's still a way to find community through something. And right now the only thing that people have is a existential crisis because they don't know who they are, whether that's the church or whether – not saying the church with the existential crisis. The people not having the religious faith anymore being an existential crisis of questioning themselves, but also a lot of people are waking up to the fact that the government's been – low-key not caring about the church or religious faith at all but using it as a platform much like many of these companies will switch their logo to a rainbow flag and act like they actually care about some of these things that society obviously cares about you, you see what i'm saying it's like never let a situation not be profitable and the government has been very good at doing that for a very long time why do we still vote in a president who's a religious christian family man that we know the world's not like that we know it might just be an act at times as well too, but we accept it, and that's what we want. It's one of those check boxes. I'm not saying they have to be Christian, but there's a lot of things that I question why we're doing this, and either they're foundations of old or there's a great way to really get people on board with something that you're saying, even though they necessarily don't believe it behind the curtain. The, Got to take a sip um, on that one. Yeah, amen. <laughs> the United States today is really, really fragmented with many, 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 many different uh, cultures, backgrounds, even just from an immigration point of view, legal and otherwise. There are so many subcultures now that it. I, I've got the strong impression that the the there is no one mainstream narrative that really really fits for even the majority of americans anymore it's a it's an illusion to turn on the tv and listen to or any mainstream anything and think that half the country's democrat and half is republican that's far from the truth just as an example but specifically to your point or your questions about religion and its influence on us and its abuse by manipulators the the united states had an, a founding puritanical foundation that served us really really well even at the founding that generation was torn by how do we brag about love and embrace liberty and freedom and maintain these slaves these fellow humans who 
obviously we are abusing blah, 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 blah. So there was a huge conflict there, economically driven, economically entrenched and entwined at the founding. And one could fairly argue that while the church was a big place in people's hearts and in their families, when families were the major unit that created humans and parents and uncles and extended families helped form each generation, that there was a consistency of the desire for liberty and the struggle internal, emotional, even societal about, we've got slaves, what do we do about it? But over time, that has just simply gotten watered down, not just naturally, but by quite intention by folks in the shadows. A great example are the members of Skull and Bones, which was a secret society created Fun in stuff. 18th, yeah, created in 1832 at Yale University, it's still in existence. And for its first hundred years or so, 150 years, it was really robust in graduating members of skull and bones sworn to help each other and who rose up into positions of power. And not every member of skull and bones is an evildoer, but the lustful and the ambitious, that percentage of humanity that gets off on power over others, it seems to me always infests, poisons, corrupts, co-ops, and ultimately destroys everything. The rise and fall of empires, the rise and fall of organized religions is because, unfortunately, you, you alluded to something earlier, like something gets, gets taken over. And I think it's because that lust for power. And then they compete with each other, how to have more than you, and they get more and more perverse because... That's very, very psychotic, psychopathic, unhealthy, and eventually self-destructive. And that's the big arcs that I see what's happened with religion. And I'll end with this about religion, uh, is that humanity raised in nature as we were, we evolved in nature, had huge, deep, wonderful, and loving, swirling ideas about the earth is our mother, the, the sky is our father, the eagle and the buffalo and the fish are our brothers and sisters. And even from the Eastern cultures, it's all alive. And this is my challenge to you, Ravi, as a self-declared atheist. And yet you were describing other things that I don't know if you were talking to me about you or if you were a, a hypothetical situation. Folks who spend enough time in nature, raising animals, raising kids, and seeing what causes what become poets because they really they many really say you know this whole realm is enchanted my thoughts do become things when i pay attention to the coincidences i realize there are no coincidences i see today that things that were catastrophes to me last year two years ago five years ago set me up and saved my ass right now in a way that that can't be a coincidence. Like that movie Signs with Mel uh, Gibson and uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Great point that that makes. And at the end of the day, as far as religion goes, Robbie, it comes down to this. I choose on my good days, on my good days, to think thoughts that give me power. They don't have to be true. But after watching 
dozens of interviews of people who had near-death experiences and describe what they came back. People from all walks of life, all strata of society, describing very similar effects on them and things that they experienced. I love to think, it doesn't have to be true, that when we die, it's a transition into real reality. And we realize this was a tiny little effing straitjacket we've been in compared to what we really are. And But while we're here, the poets and the mystics who discover this or love these ideas tell us, follow the coincidences, just notice everything. See if your expectations fulfill themselves. And even what Jesus was saying, do unto others as you would have them do unto, unto you, that implies a, a reality where I am you and you are me. And how can that help anyone live their day, live their lives day by day? Well, that's a very personal thing that takes a, a lot of, you know, uh, conversation to, to reach some, any kind of quote unquote conclusions about. I wouldn't, I'm not trying to change your views on religion at all. Trust me, people are going to believe, and I give more people respect for the people that believe in something like that too. So some people need to get to through the day. I'm just sticking my foot in the public door of my generation and younger generations that might not have a tether to religion where I start going, there's a way to get everyone to the idea of the grand reset. And I don't believe in the grand reset, but the more I think about it, I start to think about certain things that end up getting worn down. For instance, um, freedom, freedom of speech, freedom, just freedom in, ge in general. Is it freedom or the idea of freedom? That seems like the second one is a lot more of what it is today. It's diminished, you know, at any point we could say something or we could do something. And I think we've all agreed on terms like you can't say fire in a crowded theater. You can't do certain things and certain actions. You have freedom, but you have to a certain point. And we all agree on those notions, but those notions can end up changing as well, too. Whether it's conspiracy talk or JFK talk that will eventually be banned or certain things of this sort. Pursuit of happiness. Is it the pursuit of happiness? Is what you're exactly wanting right now as a human being who's been watching nothing but program television and all these types of things that have just influenced your thoughts on the world and politics and social media scrolling? A lot of people think they're happy, but are they really happy? Most people won't ask themselves that question. A lot of people think that they have the illusion of happiness, but is it true happiness? I don't know where you would get it from, something that you feel fulfilled about. I talked to a guy called... Les Unite, it's a fake name, um, but he was part of the Voluntary Human Extinction Movement, which he believed to just stop having kids. Um, you'll save the planet that way. And I know you don't agree with that. I could see your face already. And I didn't agree with it either. But when I heard his perspective on things where he just started talking about, you know, you're told all the time to have kids, family, and all this type of stuff. I don't agree with that because I do would like kids one day, but I hear it and I just go – you know, it's not the path for everyone, but if that person feels like they're right and everyone doesn't need to follow that path, it's just about being your own individual self and finding out who that is. But it's about finding that tether that connects to the public to get them in on the discussion. It's what I've tried to do with JFK. It's what I've tried to do with anything. Whenever it gets into a religious subject, I just glaze over because I'm like, God, you're trying to connect with me on something I don't I don't want I don't care I I don't believe in. So it's like how do we get the public in on the discussion? Do you care about being a good human being? Yes. Do you care about the pursuit of happiness? Yes. Do you care about freedoms? Yes. Do you care about liberty? Do you care about love? Do you care about all these types of things? Yes. So does the church. So does every individual or should every individual. Guess who doesn't? And guess what we were entitled to have? We were supposed to have these rights. We were supposed to have these types of things. And then you look at what's going on in the world right now and why we're all so polarized. Well, look what's happening behind the works. What gets taken away? Those exact things I listed, the exact things in 
the founding fathers stood for. I mean, they knew it, there was all going to be this – if one person has all this power and stays in office, it was going to be this thing that corrupts and turns them because no one should have that power. This is just people in power who are corrupt who have now found a way to keep the system going the way that they prefer the system to go. And I think you can really get people without the religion talk, but you can really get people to that line. And like again, I'm not – I hate these conversations when it gets into religion because I get so fucking uncomfortable. But I'm not dismissing your viewpoint. I'm saying there's a way to connect with people who aren't religious as well too, which is I think what you need. We have too many conversations now that are polarized in a certain perspective viewpoint, and we can't find a way to find the two to melt together to really focus on something a lot bigger. Which is the fact that people suck. I hate to say it, but people can also be good, those same people that suck. And sadly, the people that are making the decisions are sucking because they prefer to make it in the way that best fits them, not what fits you. You know, there's a lot of things I learned through the JFK stuff that I would have labeled a conspiracy and I would have thrown out the door. Um, now I've seen the documentation on it, whether it's the JFK files, them talking about Garrison's investigation, the agency saying it's an attempt to embarrass the agency. Does that sound like what I was told in school about the government working for the people? You know, the people have control of the government? Well, no, it doesn't sound like that at all. I end up feeling like Richard Nixon where he's trying to boss all the agencies around, and they're all like, well, we don't fucking work for you, guy. You're the president, but that's not how this works. You learn quick, and I think you know there's a way to get – to that ending of the Great Reset, which everyone in the conspiracy world always talks about, but I feel like it's 10 steps disconnected from where the public's at, and it's just about finding that way to connect to people. Like you've done talking about what you know, life, nature, all these types of things. These are the way people are connecting with right now, that they're in right now, that everyone takes a mushroom and goes outside and tries to find whatever that is in nature, and that's where a lot of religious and spiritual experiences happen. But people are stuck in this – 10 step backstage and a lot of people like Vincent Salandri and others who are I'm sure great work 100% I'm not disagreeing or discrediting them but they're just so in already it's even when I, I mean you can rat about the deep state all day but the public's going to be like what the fuck's happening you know it's they're going to be a little bit disconnected from it cuz they're either not as keen as the media as we are or they're not paying attention to all the signs or they're not looking into the past and that's where I'm trying to find that connect to get people to understand where this all eventually leads to Mm. And never stop, Robbie. Um, much of what you described, and 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 you're and you're handling it and the juggling it the way you just des des described it ma makes me want to describe this. And you don't, you don't have to agree with me either. You please say your feelings, say your thoughts. I intend to. Thank you for the encouragement. <laughs> um, the 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 things you said made me see how uh confused anxious alienated uh many americans are if not most americans who don't take the time to really research things and clarify anything and uh, it brings up two two things two ways of looking at it which is first of all 90% of Americans go through public school, okay? I would say that about that much are fairly raised by school. School and our cell phones for generations now 
basically are the biggest influences in a young American's life. Not their mom, not their dad, not their family. Many families don't have a mom and a dad, okay? So it's really school and our cell phones, okay? And if you ask these young adults, teens and 20, people's in their 20s, do you like freedom? Do you want uh, all this other stuff? And they'd say, yes, 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 yes. But that's lip service. That's, they know how to have a conversation like that that creates no waves. And they even like to think of themselves like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm well informed in this and the other thing. But the reality is that school trained them not to think for themselves. School, the experience trained them to do what they were told. They don't know who they really are. They don't know what their values are. They don't know what they personally want, nor have they developed the number one skill humans must have to have a successful life in any shape or form, just in terms of happiness, let alone prosperity. And that skill is being able to make a decision and trusting one's own judgment. So the, the school experience creates good employees, good order followers, and it rewards that small percentage that can develop a taste and a lust for power over others and train them to work in hierarchies because that's what school is with its grade levels. It's sifting and sorting the best Nazis, the ones who will say, Jawohl, mein Kapitan, at anything to inflict what the institution wants done. They'll swallow all the abuse for the sick pleasure of having that power to command others and, and afflict abuse on them. And they become the head of the army, the head of the Navy, the head of the Marines with all those medals here. And they become the chair, the joint chiefs of staff. And they become the CEOs of these giant corporations that are sickening us and poisoning us with their medical products. And the CEOs of the giant media companies that tell us the government's lies without any question, examination, or journalism, or any hard questions whatsoever. They will inflict the abuse because they've been rewarded from kindergarten to the top to succeed in that competitive backstabbing uh, environment. And the antidote is, and this will even approach, you know, open the door to anybody to have a spiritual imagination, which is very different from religious. Every time you said religious, Ravi, I just wanted to say, ah, Ravi, start thinking in terms of spiritual because it matters because religious means dogma and I'm going to do what my church or my institution or my parents want me to think and this, that, and the other thing versus a, not a religious imagination, a spiritual imagination, which is challenging people to think about reality. How does reality work? You know, is there an invisible dimension or a quote-unquote spiritual dimension? And it really goes back to why for centuries people keep quoting what was chiseled above the entrance at the, at the temple of Apollo at Delphi, where the oracles of, Adel of, Del of Delphi, Adelphi lived. And that inscription, there were three of them. The first one was, know thyself. Because... I was a confused, 
angry, vicious, immature man in my early 30s. Confused, angry, vicious, immature. Vicious and immature. And I realized that. I woke up to that in my early 30s. And I brought as much as I could of my life to a grinding halt to figure myself out along these lines. Why do I think what I think? Why do I do and say what I do and say in social situations with my girlfriends, with collaborators in artistic projects? Why do I keep bumping into the same walls and making the same problems and suffering the same this, that, and the other thing? Why do I think what I think? Why do I feel what I feel? How long? And this is the order of advice I would give to somebody. These are the questions. Why do I think what I think? Why do I feel what I feel? How long have I thought and felt those things? What could have caused me to think those things? And the heck with them. How would I like to feel? How would I like to treat myself? And it's about discovering that our problems are not our problems. Our problem is what we think about our problems, what we can make and do about everything, what the government's doing to us, how censored we are on social media, what is possible to us. And that follows identity, because if we think that we are tapping into infinite and eternal power of creation because everything's made out of energy our thoughts our intentions the vibe we give out to each other if we think that that's the nature of reality robbie that it's a seamless one and each piece affects the whole either immediately instant karma or eventually that's very different than thinking the only power i have is the amount of money in my bank account. <laughs> That's how the world works. The only money you have is what you can do with your life. Robbie, yes and no, because there are many individuals like me who don't work like that. Is that how you work? Great. Know that. But it's, it's about the great path you're on because you interview people, you ask hey, people hey, questions. Hey, right? the conversation, uh, man. Yeah, which means you're on your way to having all your beliefs challenged because you're talking to other people about what do they think and why. And your mind every day for the last couple of years on this awesome podcast that you do is just growing and stretching and growing and stretching. And you're going to revise and improve the beliefs that are not only true and verifiable by evidence, but that serve you and give you power because you're constantly questioning other people. You are constantly questioning what you believe. And, uh, you know, it's, it's thrilling. It took me, I was much older than you, Robbie, before I had a fraction of the maturity, self-control, and, you know, big spectrum awareness of things and curiosity about things that you have now. I wouldn't say I'm mature. I did talk about Nancy Pelosi at the water containment thing, and someone 
grabbed her glass and drank. It was like, it's fucking gin. I think it's funny. But no, there's a serious thing I started to notice, which was you can't question things anymore. I don't know why that's like that. It shouldn't be like that ever. You should never get shamed for asking a question. But it's like there's a large and I think it's even with probably more with guys. I've talked to a lot of people about like masculinity and things of this sort. They talk about guys are afraid to say they don't know something, which is based on data that he was talking about a psychologist. But I think that's just everyone as well, too, is that there's just a large fear of not wanting to say something because you don't know. And there's a large fear of shame that comes with that, whether it's somebody shaming you for not knowing things. And we can even use a really good example, which is the academic thing. Ivory Tower syndrome is real. Okay, and it's when you're an academic and you feel like you've been going down this pursuit of knowledge where you're if you're deemed an expert which i don't think anybody should be an expert on anything because it's always something new that you can learn but that title alone is a trigger word for someone in their mind to immediately start thinking that they're better than you at anything and they could outwit you in anything where now conversations are intellectual chess matches you know coming to the table clean might seem like the simplest thing you can do which is why i call this a conversation but it's probably one of the hardest things for a lot of people who don't do it regularly you know everyone either wants something from you when they reach out to you or they just want i don't know to win it's a it's that's how life is now it's winning and losing look at uh lawyers for instance you know is it about the truth the pursuit of truth or is it about i'm going to either win this case and I can't lose. And that's what it's become. And that's a really dangerous thing considering that people I've talked to who spent 20 years in a prison to be released because they were wrongly convicted on some trumped up charge or something that was thrown in their way. I mean, find something in your life that you feel like it would be the hardest point of contention to talk about. And I'll give you my example. Manson, Charles Manson. One of the most stigmatized topics, don't support that guy, he drew a cross or a swastika on his forehead, right? Well, look at the trial with him. What did Vincent Bugulosi do? He managed to put a prosecutor on the defendant's side. That's perjury. That's whatever it is. That's not ethical in court. So because he needed to be locked away, that's why they did it? Does that seem right? Fair trial, right? Even if you don't agree. That he needed, I don't believe he should be out on the streets at all. But I started looking into something that I feel like would be the hardest thing for me personally at the time to be able to conflict with, which is the fact that, yeah, Manson was a bad guy. Lock him up. And I'm not saying he was right. But then what happens if the evidence or everything that went on during his trial was sabotaged to make sure that he was 100% going to get locked up? How would you feel? What would your answer be? Would you stick with your beliefs that he needed to be locked up or would you look at the fact of what's right and wrong? And that's not a, a lot of people don't do that. And you don't have to use the Manson example. That's just mine because it's an extreme. But there's plenty of other situations out there. Was it right and wrong after 9-11 that we shamed Muslim people and called them all terrorists and have racially made an injustice towards a certain ethnicity to the fact that whenever you hear the word Muslim or Islam, you immediately think terrorist. You don't have to agree with that religion. But do we understand and want to talk to those people? A lot of people, and they went through a lot of crap during the whole 9-11 situation as well too and the time after that and are still dealing with that crap and i had to go and try and understand it more and i can tell you that i start realizing what was programmed into me and what i was told to believe the idea of an enemy is it an enemy because we're fighting a war against them and they're trying to kill us and we're trying to kill them or is it just a human being that's on a different side 
I mean, you really got to ask those bigger questions about things and start picking it apart. And you realize that everything that you've kind of been told, it's the person that acts like your protector happens to be the wolf in sheep's clothing. I hate to say it like that, but that's exactly what we're dealing with when it comes to the things that we're told by higher forms of authority and just said not to question. Blind faith, patriotic allegiance. Talk to any Vietnam veteran that either falls on two sides, patriotic allegiance to their country, and you will never talk trash on America or the opposite, where they're a communist or something of that sort on the other side. And it's like, hey, to get you guys to talk, that would be fantastic because I'm telling you, we don't have to argue, but we can get right into this point where we start sharing ideas and you realize you both kind of had something happen to you in a large way. And the one person to blame would be the country that you stand in. I mean, I believe in America, but I also stand in the beliefs of what it stands for. And that is the freedom, liberty, pursuit of happiness, all of these things that are just to every individual. You, you love to think for yourself. You love to check love premises. Rant. Well, that too. God bless you. And you well described a phenomenon where people have never asked why, you know, why do I believe what I believe? Or if they have, they just point to the TV and say, it's got to be true. It's been on TV for 10 years. You know, it's been on TV for 60 years. Television has told us that Lee Harvey Oswald killed President Kennedy. And there are grown men and women who would probably get in a fist fight defending that, who would really be afraid of someone like me or you who says, um, no, he didn't. And we're, we've reached that verdict because we looked at the evidence and that's a salvation is to encourage folks like you really are implying is please don't, please don't make up your mind until you look at all sides of the story or, or at least please look at all these examples where the government and the media lie to us, okay? Before you turn on the TV today and automatically believe today's story, like, oh, Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. Like, oh, or such and such disease originated at such and such a place. You can't automatically believe these things just because the government and the media are telling it to us because. You and I can prove, and people can go to tryanday.com and find lots of books that prove many of those stories are big, fat, hairy lies that made lots and lots of money for people who abused and mutilated and killed innocent people, men, women, children, babies, and entire countries wiped out because our government, which works in our name, for which we are responsible, that we are taxed to fund these crimes, is a criminal in our name. And when that gets comprehended by enough people, one hopes more enough people will, will resist that to change that. And those are the stakes. Those are the stakes, right? What do you think the next 10 years are going to be like? They could continue to creep along at this pace with every three or six months or once a year, giant horrific events that scare us a lot more, restrict our freedoms a lot more, impose a lot more rules and regulations on us, 
narrow the lane in which we can walk. So we march lockstep according to our rulers for our safety, right? Or it could lean a little bit more toward revelations of truth and perhaps prosecutions of criminals that that release a lot more of the truth about what's really gone on. There's a small chance that there'd be a, you know, a revolution of awareness of the, the criminality and holding people to account. Or there could be real sudden and giant sledgehammer blows to terrify us with catastrophes in the name of locking us down with total martial law, total collapse of economies that cause real, real quick starvation and savagery and gang wars just for survival. One of those three basic scenarios. Do you think that we'll ever get a president that will have probably the open transparency that we want? Like an independent. I would say an independent would be a nice thing right now. We've never tried it. And whenever you bring up the example of using an independent, they say they'll never win. It's like, we, what does that mean? Nobody votes for them. Perhaps if we all voted or chose not to vote, what would happen? A dead person would probably end up voting. Um, hate to say it like that. I do think that when you look at a lot of this stuff, I'm like, the system's going to – something's going to happen to make it the way that they need it to be. I feel like that's a lot of things. But if we get someone that has like open-minded kind of person that's not really with a political affiliation, doesn't have any business ties or people they have to kowtow to to get things passed because they got help, whether it was in their election or anything like that. When they get in office, I mean, do you think that's ever going to be a possibility? I mean, RFK Jr. might seem like the type, you know, I hope he does, but I just think he's got the biggest thing over his head, which is the historical JFK and RFK stuff that's going on that I just don't see that possibility happening, I'm hoping. But at the same time, you know, I don't know who would be fit for that position. I don't think anybody's fit to rule. I'm not rule, but, you know, be in charge. I just think the power, whether you're good or bad, is going to corrupt you. Um, either way. Well, it would it would be a long shot for someone who is like Bobby Jr., who 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 really really seems not only capable but also completely well informed about the reality of the corruption in the deep state, etc. For him to get in, there are so many obstacles and hurdles for that. That doesn't mean we shouldn't try. That doesn't mean fans of such a candidate shouldn't work as much as they possibly can to raise awareness of his candidacy and try to get him the number of votes that could help him win enough primaries to help him get the Democrat nomination. It's tough to imagine being a viable presidential candidate. Um I take that back because like you pointed out, as an independent, I know the percentages. Over the last few years, I've looked at the percentages, and it's around 25% of Americans identify as Republicans and around 25% identify as Democrats. So that's around 50%. Wait, what? Yeah, that's about it. 25? Not- They're vocal as shit then. Holy hell, because that feels like there's like – 70 percent and 70 percent on either side i I said i said that earlier if you just watch mainstream news you might believe that half the country's republican and half of it's democrat that is not the case that is not the truth they want us to believe that so we get emotionally 
involved and fascinated by the food fights between the Republicans and the Democrats, but they're just competing frat houses who are funded by the same donors. It's a puppet show. It's a damn good one. And the percentages I've seen are that 50% of Americans just, or maybe there's 25% that say I'm independent, they, and the other 25% say I couldn't care less about politics because it is such a food fight. It is such a clown act. It is such immaturity and futility and insanity. It's to turn us off. It's to make intelligent people say, I want no part of those parties. If that's what a political party is and what a candidate is, how effing stupid they are, how absolutely avoidant they are of dealing with the real issues, I want no affiliation with them whatsoever. In fact, I'm not even sure I want to be a member of the human race if those are supposed to be the best and the brightest among us, okay? That's why it looks so chaotic. And the, the news 24-7 is about the world's burning down and everything's crumbling around us because the more you and I are filled with despair, the more we will shrink and let them do whatever they want. While we hide in our echo chambers and we hide in our booze bottle and we hide in our video games and we hide in our drugs, and we hide in our suicidal fantasies. Oh, Julianne Romanello, I thought of her before, because she recently made the point. Look at what they're doing just with the architecture and the layouts of the landscapes of many, many cities. They are ugly. They are boring. They are denuded of shrubbery. It's part of her long... He, she says the long-range plan is to make the metaverse that much more irresistible to us. Fascinating, where you can do whatever you want. You have all these kind of superpowers. You can be as sexy as you want. And you can have all the super talents that you want in the metaverse. You automatically know how to play guitar and you automatically know how to sign me up. That sounds awesome. If I can date Kate Upton, hell yeah. Yeah. And you're thinking of the Matrix movie. It's the same thing, man. You're like, wow, give me that blue pill all day long. Well, um, no, there's a real fear in that. 100% it's going to end up eventually becoming something. I picture us all in chips and multiple satellites around the world. I've done the whole transhumanist discussion and futurist discussion with some of the top experts in this field, even one that was running for president at the time, Zoltan. Um, yeah, he was a political candidate. That's the crazy part. Uh, not major platform, but you can look him up. He's an interesting guy. But, I mean, that's where it goes with technology. I mean, one day, this is we're not going to be able to distinguish this reality. I mean, people have kids in a virtual reality, and then you keep that simulator going. Do those kids live a life? Does that go deeper and deeper and deeper? It goes into a whole thing where look at the world around you. Walk outside. It does not look like what it did five years ago. It doesn't look like what it did 10 years ago. It's not a climate discussion. It's a progression and industrial discussion that needs to be had. Buildings where there's countless buildings that are just empty and nobody's living in them because they keep building real estate and nobody can afford a fucking home. It's a problem. Yes, yes. Now, folks older than wiser than me, it, right in the midst of this kind of a moment in a conversation like this, Robbie, they'll say, it's all going to collapse. Don't worry. Because things that rotten, phony, and corrupt crumble. Just like a giant old oak tree that we haven't seen for 30 years inside has been eaten to the core by termites. And the next good wind that comes around, boosh, the whole thing goes down. And that might be a very natural, quote unquote, reset that refreshes humanity. If the grid went down with all the panic, if electricity disappears, 
with it, the internet and the scramble for food and all the other stuff and cell phones get turned off. From under that chaos, there would be clusters of human beings that come stronger and stronger together who rediscover bartering. You've got potatoes? Great. I've got rice. And he's got squirrels. We have a meal. And also, I know someone with a guitar. And we're going to rediscover skills. And we're oh, gonna, I don't and, believe that. I believe people start killing each other 100%. It'll go right down to cannibalistic Mad Max scenario. We're so tense in this country. We're so tense, you said. That's what you said, right? Yes, we're so tense. That reminds me, and you might be right, but it also reminds me I've got some I've got some friends who love their guns and who say, Man, any minute now the American people are gonna roar back to life and really, really take this stuff back. Robbie, I don't think so. Too many generations have been wimpified and weakened by that public school experience I described, where no one trusts their judgment. And if we didn't defend ourselves after the false flag of 9-11, if we didn't insist on getting our constitutional rights back that have been encroached since the USA Patriot Act after 9-11, and we did what we did in response to the medical emergency over the last few years, we did it. So many of us did exactly what we were told to do, even though it was Don't say that because I can't go on YouTube if you say that. I have to just bleep out one of those words. Fine. Bleep out a little bit there. It's tough to imagine, um, and, uh, you know, enough folks doing, doing it's tough. It may happen, but, but the hope is really it comes down to it doesn't matter what my neighbors do. You know, what am I going to do to stay sane? What am I going to do to help others stay sane with the truth? Because nothing else can make us sane, Robbie. Nothing but reality and the truth can, can make and keep us sane. And what can I possibly do to prepare to a reasonable ex extent for emergencies and catastrophes that, that, are, that are likely? You surprisingly put a lot more faith into people than I do. Well, I wonder why. I don't know why. You know? I don't I, know I, why. I, I'm very pessimistic about people. And I just, I'm more likely to believe that people will take the most profitable to themselves route. It's the main reason I don't play the podcast game where it's like, share your links, promote this, 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 this every five minutes. No, I refuse to play the fucking game. I will take the sweet ass long time around the mountain um, when she'll be coming around the mountain. I will take my sweet time to get there. Um, but mostly I, because but also, I don't need the hassle. Yeah, but you know, I, I don't rule out a catastrophic collapse and savagery. But I also see give a kid a VR headset in his class and guarantee to you 10 minutes he's in a porn simulator, 100%. Yeah, right, where his fantasy is how many girls he can rape in the next uh, half hour. Why rape? It could be just you're in a club. All right, but here's my point. Before we lose this right now, before we lose this context right here, Faith in humanity, you see them, you know, full savagery, sure, totally possible. But I see the history of Nazi Germany as very applicable because it's a, in 12 years, it runs a whole cycle of the history of the Roman Empire. Okay. And it illustrates to me the bell curve 
model of humanity, which I describe all the time. You know, he, uh, it's a graph where where do where does a group fit in terms of a scale of thinking for themselves and doing whatever they're told? And the shape of it is most of the folks are in the middle. Most people don't think for themselves, and most people don't uh, do every are total mental slaves. Most people are in the middle, and we just muddle along. We do what we see everybody doing. So when we've got good rulers telling us the truth and everybody's talking about and trying to do well for the community, most people will do that. But if some people are scapegoating others, demonizing others to have an enemy in order to feel better, most people will do that. And Nazi Germany showed how most people just wanted to shut up and keep their jobs. Yeah, they knew it was wrong what the government was telling us about the Jews. We knew it was wrong, but I had a family. I had to keep my job. And they just muddled along until the rulership brought them into such, a, into such wars that eventually it, it, you know, it, it closed in on them and they were destroyed. But there had to have been Germans there had to have been Nazis at the even to the end of World War II, who thought that the fighting was all about because Poland was about to invade Germany, because that's what the government told the German nation, you know. And there were some people who were just like, okay, you know, we have to do this now to our bodies, we have to do this now to our kids, you know, because well, that's what that's what authority is telling us to do. Why'd you make me laugh and- at that? Damn it. You grabbed your face like that. I wasn't expecting it. it just got me. <laughs> Good. Um, so, but through it all, you know, it comes, it's a very individual thing. How will you conduct yourself, like that poem said, when all about you are losing their heads and blaming you? You know, can we stay calm and centered? And we can, can we try to help? And if it, if it becomes Mad Max, Thunderdome or whatever, you know, savagery, Will we, will we try to stay healthy and help others who are suffering? Try to find the next pot of stew. You've got a squirrel. I've got a potato. We've got a meal. I'm trying to be funny here. I get it. Um, with your bell curve, I would just throw the sales pitch. I would probably find myself balanced in the middle, but then at the same time, I never forget the sales pitch. It's all how it's sales pitched. It's all how it's said to you. It's all how it's done. Instead of injecting a shot into your arm because they're telling you to because of whatever, and you don't believe it. But I got this, and it's a cure for Alzheimer's. I got this. It's a cure for this. I got this. It's a cure for that. Why do I accept it there but not accept it on the other one? You know, it's a double standard within oneself, and there's plenty of those throughout society. Actually, everyone is a hypocrite. Hate to say it like that. There's plenty of things that I'll talk about that I also call out as well, too. It's just inherently about us as well. The issue is, is that when something is passed your way, do you it's a double standard. Do you accept it on this? Like if I said that government should take a seat on the bench, it's the unpopular opinion, but I believe it to be true. I think the government needs to take a little bit of time here. And we got plenty of problems here we need to fix up and we need to build ourselves up a little bit better instead of getting involved in every other single issue. Now, if I open up that door to that, does that mean that there's going to be more domestic surveillance, more spying, more bunch of control that happens over here? Yes, because they're whatever workers that are in other countries doing these affairs are now going to be mostly focused over here. 
Okay. And I'm, this is a, by the grace of God type instance that they all actually listen and actually stay out of other countries. But then if you ask people, do you care about domestic surveillance? They'll say, yes. I'm like, well, do you either want domestic surveillance or do you want people to be spying on enemies overseas? Which one would you take? Most people would take one of those two options. I think people are not understanding that there's more than those options, but you're only pitched two. If I tell you, you have to choose between my, what's in my left hand and what's in my right hand, what are you choosing? You got I'm two options. Your, yeah, well, I'm choosing your options. You know, exactly. So Does that I'm, make sense I'm now? I'm, I'm effed either way, but I've thought it through. It's like someone gunned to your head. You got to either suck my dick now or suck my dick later. And you're like, oh, God, I don't want to do this. And it's like, you don't have to do it. Shoot him in the head. I had to use the funny example. My bad. Sorry for getting. It's a great example. And my funny response was you're talking to a New Yorker. And if I whip out the New York language, you know, in your sample, I'm going to get a bullet in the head. I'm going to get a bullet in the head right now. (laughs) You know, There's a third option. Go beep yourself. (laughs) (laughs) You can curse on my show. I don't care. I do it. Well, I I just did. I just did. (laughs) Um, But it's the option things. That's a serious statement to make. And it's something a lot of people don't think about. You know, if you're, going by a toll booth and the toll booth decides today is going to be a day they raise the price five cents and you only have 25 cents in your car it's a 30 cent toll booth either you're going to what are you going to do you're either going to turn around and go home and get five cents or you're going to run through it either way you're getting in trouble or you're just going to feel like crap about yourself if you turn around and go home well my buddy gave me the best answer he goes no i'm going to park my car until someone gives me that five cents Disrupt the system. I hate to say it like that, but it's not always about starting any riots or violence or anything of that sort. But when you when the, when you don't agree with the options and you make a problem, it's like being a waiter at a restaurant and someone's complaining about their food. You can mess with their food and really go down a deep, dark, illegal rabbit hole. But more than often than not, they'll try and compensate that person to get them out of the way of the other people, contaminating the bunch. You're you're shining light on a lot of the you know things that we all encounter every day. Just living life, we we encounter you know a hundred uh, decisions we have to make, situations we have to make. You know, you're in a hurry, you see a lady drop a dollar. You know, like what do you do? These are great. You know, these are these are worthy. You know, mental explorations. The stakes are very high along the lines of the stuff you're studying and talking about and researching and interviewing people about, and that I'm you know, fascinated by and try to shine light on as well. The stakes are very, very high. Um, and, you know, at the risk of repeating myself, it's just about recognizing, you know, what effect am I having on myself right now with what am I thinking? And the aspiration is to be aware of that, Robbie, 24-7. Because if I get lost in a loop that fills me with anxiety about, wow, this might happen next, this might happen next, Every second in that conundrum, I'm depowering myself and I'm actually physically harming myself at a health level. So it's a balancing act, you know, and back to the savagery and faith in humanity and things like that. I wanted to mention there are always people who are older and wiser than both of us who want to put their arm around our shoulder and say, hey, listen, the, cl- the cliches are often true and have tons of wisdom. The glass is half full if you say it is, or it's half empty 
something negative, if you say it is Robbie, our impact and power as a participant in all these situations is the decisive factor. And like it or not, you're not just the misanthrope that some people might conclude you are because they heard you say, you know, whatever, disparaging your, you know, your faith in, in humanity. Your work betrays your optimism and your hope. I wish I knew what that damn misanthrope word meant. I'll tell you, it probably was a great compliment. No, it's uh, it's someone who dislikes humanity, basically. That's a misanthrope. Someone's real misanthropic. It's not that I just dislike humanity. I'm just more often not going to believe the fact that people are more likely going to probably try and get something out of you or choose the most successful option to themselves. And it's not them. It's just the society has set it up to where – you got to be doing as much as you possibly can in the every minute you have of the day. Oh, for the love of God, don't sleep. You need to get your work done. You need to do a podcast here, podcast there, a movie there, a book signing here, a book signing there, a bunch of stuff, or you're out of the game. And that's the industry. And I wish it wasn't set up that way. I wish people could be able to just enjoy every moment that they have. But it's also more often than not, people are tired when they get home from work and just want to sleep and do the same thing the next day. And it leads to alcoholism. It leads to so much where I have friends that you know, I've lost since we've been out of high school because of the fact that they took their own lives or done something stupid that caused their life to go. It's you're ending in a, a pit of where younger generations don't feel like they're valid in anything that they do. And every step that they take is in a direction of someone else's life or in a rig system. It sucks, but it's like, how do we get them in on the, the boomer discussion? Well, this is what I say to that point. Young people can feel like that because I know I can feel like that. And I did feel like that. And I do feel like that unless I parent myself, unless I intentionally talk to myself like a very good mother, someone who knows that her job, I talk to myself like a mother. You're safe. They're there. Everything's all right. You're safe. Everything's all right to calm the person down. And also like a very good father who I believe his job is to encourage and entice and challenge his kids to do things so that they learn what works, what doesn't work, and also develop confidence and trust. Like, hey, you know, after you tried that for five or 10 days or five or 10 weeks, didn't you start to get better at it? Yeah. Kids don't know that. It takes an adult to teach children over time. As you trust and you try, you're going to get better. And that's all there is to expertise, is trying over time. And for the young folks you described and your friends and the despair out there, like I said about children being raised by school and by their cell phones, the catastrophic loss and trauma is lack of good parenting. One man or woman can give a child all that they need in terms of love and encouragement. It's obviously better if they get it from a mother and a father because it's reinforced. 
Stereotypically, the mother gives the love and the soothing and the healing and brings the balance back and calms the kid down, who's hyperventilating because they can't find their favorite toy. And stereotypically, the father is the one who says, come work with me. We got a lot to build. We got a lot to see. We got a big mess to make. We have a lot of people to talk to, doing things, active things. That's the stereotypical feminine and masculine role. But it doesn't have to be by gender, you know, the father could be the very loving and nurturing presence, and the mother could be the very pushing, prodding, goading, encouraging, exciting, challenging presence. And if we're weak and scared, because we didn't have good enough parents who could do enough of that to ourselves, when we, do, when we can do that for ourselves, we can change our lives. There are many sane, happy, well-balanced people. You're talking to one who appeared this way because I did it for myself. I figured out for myself what was lacking in my life and practice as a daily minute-by-minute -minute discipline, talking to myself like this, Robbie, and explaining this to everyone I possibly can because it resonates emotionally to the vast majority of humans. Like, yeah, it does matter if I talk, if I talk nice to myself, I feel nice. If I talk like an a-hole, Bruce, I'm an a-hole, you know, to, to boil it down to something very, very simple. I hope, I hope that made sense. And I hope that, you know, what do you think a, of all that? That's yeah. a great, it's a great point to end on. I don't think I can add to that. I mean, I agree. I think you definitely put out or you, you get what you put out, I would say. Um, and maybe my own spin on it, I would say, but no, you put it together perfectly. I don't know. Maybe just take a trip to Disney World and get some happiness there. It seems like what a lot of people are doing these days is just going to Disney World. Yeah, Big Mac with a large Coke. Yeah, you know, That's play the system. That's the system, and the system's fun. And it just costs, you know, actually doesn't even cost that much. A dollar for a cheeseburger from McDonald's, and then 10 years no. off. <laughs> yeah, what it costs is long-term. It's your health. Who cares? Yeah, you know. You know how it is. Uh, Bruce, no, I appreciate the time you gave me to have this discussion as well, too. I appreciated the conversation. Is there a place where people can find your links and also be able to find where they could pick up God School and 9-11 and JFK? Yes. I've never Folks. showed a book on air before, so you, you feel great about that. Well, I do. I'm honored and <laughs> grateful. <laughs> I, I recommend my site, BrewsToTourist.com. Folks will see great reviews about the book and a link where to get it at Trine Day. It's also available at all the other usual sellers. I hope people check it out and get it if it looks intriguing to them. And there's also links on my website, BrewsToTourist.com, to Trine Day's podcast, which is a great curriculum, interviews with many, many authors who've studied many, many, many important things along these lines. And also a link to the radio show that I do every Saturday on TNTradio.live, World Stage with Bruce DeTorres. And I will link all this in the description. It's been a pleasure chatting. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Blank Podcast.